Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and uh, today is really exciting for me. Uh, I've got a guy on here who is uh, uh, really uh, doing something huge uh, in business and entrepreneurship and and kind of uh, taking the stress out of uh, uh, being successful. His name is Rizwan Verp. He's the author of Zen Entrepreneurship, Walking the Path of the Career Warrior. How are you? Uh, well, I, I know everybody calls you Riz. Can I call you Riz? Yes, absolutely, and I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for being on the show. So this is the first time I've heard the term uh, Zen and entrepreneur or entrepreneurship in the same sentence. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit what that means to be a Zen entrepreneur and or, or what is Zen entrepreneurship? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, we usually think of these two concepts, and, you know, there's Zen in the traditional sense of Zen Buddhism, but really thinking of Zen more in, in, in the sense of our spiritual seeking and personal development in life, and then we think of business, entrepreneurship, making money as being very separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the book really is about... Um, how for me I started to I started that way where I viewed these as very separate worlds uh, and I got involved with meditation because I thought hey if it'll help me concentrate and maybe it'll help me with my uh, startup I was 23 year old, three years old at the time just graduated from MIT had tons of school loans I grew up in Detroit middle class and so I just wanted to make some money and I thought hey if this meditation mm-hmm. stuff can help sure. me <laughs> way out absolutely absolutely <laughs> be more successful then sure I'll explore it but what started to happen <laughs> was over time that these two worlds started to bleed together and I started to view my work as a form of meditation uh, and I learned that meditation was about opening up our awareness uh, and listening to the clues that are coming our way about our path in life. So Zen entrepreneurship really is about finding and walking your own unique path in life and becoming the person that you were meant to be through your work uh, and you do that by combining um, these two very different uh, paths as we think of them. Now, um, the term entrepreneurship, uh, uh, for those who are entrepreneurs, uh, we're used to that term. Uh, does this work apply, uh, or the, does this methodology apply to people who are not entrepreneurs, people who uh, have nine-to-five jobs, uh, blue-collar workers, or even white-collar workers, but they're not entrepreneurs? Can, can these principles be applied to that as well? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, you know, the subtitle of the book is Walking the Path of the Career Warrior. Uh, and, you know, I chose the word, term warrior uh, not so much because of the warlike aspect, but really if we view our uh, personal development as 
being fighting against our inner demons. Uh, so it's really our battle with ourselves to become a better person and to do the work that we were meant to do perfectly. Uh, and so one of the techniques that I teach in the book is um, using your work as meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can really be applied to, you know, in, with any career path. Um, and uh, I can explain it briefly, but the idea is that Meditation eventually, as I said, is about getting a greater awareness of ourselves. But usually it starts off in the beginning as being about concentration. We concentrate on our breath. We concentrate on an energy spot in our body. We concentrate on an image or Mm -hmm. a phrase or mantra. And what this does is it develops our muscles of attention. Well, in our work, we can say, well, I'm going to use this next task that I have to do as a form of meditation. And suppose you have to enter data into a spreadsheet or you have to write a report or you have to hold a meeting or you're working on an assembly line, right? Whatever task you're doing, you can say, I'm going to use this in order to build my muscles of concentration and attention. And what usually happens in meditation is that we get distracted. We start to think about, you know, what happened yesterday, what we're going to have mm-hmm. dinner. <laughs> we think about, you know, that meeting where that other person made the remark and we, we should have replied in a very witty way, but we didn't think of the witty response until a couple hours later. <laughs> um, so our mind wanders to the past and the future. And, uh, in meditation, that's okay. The, what we do is we bring our mind gently back to the present, and every time we do that, it builds our ability to focus and concentrate. So in using your work as meditation, you do the same thing. You'll get distracted, right, by Facebook, by Twitter, I mean, sure. email, phone calls, cell phones, push notifications, SMS text messages. Um, in fact, there, there are a million different ways for us to get distracted, but you bring your mind and your attention back to the task at hand and you say, okay, I acknowledge that distraction. I'm going to bring my mind back. And when you do that, you're using your work uh, as what I like to think of, uh, I like to call a warrior's task. And a warrior's task is something that has an obvious purpose. So the obvious purpose is to get your spreadsheet done or your, or your work done on the assembly line or whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether you're driving a bus. Uh, that's the obvious task you're trying to complete. But the hidden purpose is to build uh, these muscles of concentration and attention and build your ability to focus. Uh, it's kind of like in that old 80s movie, The Karate Kid. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. that? Sure. Where uh, the student, Daniel, goes to the teacher, Mr. Miyagi, and he wants to learn karate. And the teacher has him doing these chores, like painting the fence and waxing the floor. And mm-hmm. he gets mad at him. He says, you're supposed to be teaching me karate, not doing your household chores. <laughs> but turns out he was having him exercise his muscles along the grooves that are needed in order to block karate punches and kicks. So so the hidden purpose was to learn karate. The obvious purpose was to get the chores done. Uh, And that's the same kind of mindset we can bring to our work, and that's one of the techniques that I explore in the book. I like that. I like that. Now, um, you also talk about in in, in one of the chapters, baby steps, uh, meditating for money. How does that work? Uh, yeah, well, that's sort of, again, drawing this contrast <laughs> between, you know, what we think of as spiritual. We think a spiritual person is somebody who goes away into a monastery, right, mm-hmm. uh, or, or into mm-hmm. a forest, or like the Buddha, you know, is out trying to meditate, or like Jesus goes out in the desert, right? Um, right. And, you know, uh, the more practical person is somebody who stays, you know, at work with a family, uh, has to make money. Um, and so that really was meant to kind of draw that contrast that maybe there's a way that we can work on our careers and trying to be successful uh, in the financial sense uh, and doing our jobs better and moving into a direction that we would like to move into uh, in our lives. 
and so one of the ways to do that is, is what I like to call the four keys to manifestation. Uh, and you've probably heard of the, the law of attraction. Sure. Or the secret. And, you know, this is, there's like a long tradition uh, going back to creative visualization in the 70s and 80s, going all the way back to uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill in the 1920s, mm-hmm. uh, talking about, you know, how our mind affects our reality. Um, and, you know, they all kind of boil down to the old uh, biblical phrase, ask and you shall receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm a big believer in that as well, but I think there are some important distinctions, and that's why, uh, you know, in the book I talk about the four keys to manifestation, not just one. And sometimes we ask and we don't receive, right? at least not right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like, well, what's going on here? Um, and that's because sometimes, you know, we're thinking of the world or the universe or the spiritual realms as kind of like a big ATM. I was talking to somebody and then he drew this analogy. He said, we're saying, give me $50,000. Give me a new house. Give me this. Give me that, right? Um, But if we're really aligned with the tasks that we are here to accomplish on this planet and the contributions that each of us brings uniquely, then we can set a goal that is aligned with that and the universe starts to help us. Uh, And the first key to that is what I call setting right intent. And that is, in fact, visualizing where you'd like to be, what you'd like to create. Now, but it's not just about this outward projection. I think, you know, we live in a very outward-focused culture. But we also have to learn to listen uh, and see what images are coming into our minds uh, more easily because then we'll be able to hold and focus on those images and if we're aligned with our purpose in this life, and that's why I call it right intent, uh, then it'll be a lot easier for us to create what we want in our lives, whether it's monetary success or some other type of success. Uh, I like that a lot. Now, you also talk about thought forms uh, uh, and, and brainstorms. Uh, uh, share with me uh, your insights on the two. Sure. So, you know, I just talked about finding the right visualization, I think, is very important. And what we think about, I had a teacher who used to say, you know, what we focus on, we become. Mm -hmm. And that's because uh, these thought forms that we create are lodged somewhere. And if you go back to the ancient yogic traditions, uh, in in ancient India, they described the body, the mind, as a series of clear sheets or like clear bubbles, one inside the other. And they start off very clear where light can come in so we can perceive what's happening around us. We can see the causes and effects and light can go out very clearly. But what happens over time in life is that we start to develop these imperfections in these sheets and the imperfections are called samskaras in in Sanskrit. And they are, you can think of them as mudding up these clear, very clear sheets. Uh, And over time, we start to bend, you know, the shape uh, of these bubbles. Uh, And what we end up with is what I like to call our energetic pattern, uh, which is how we are used to going through life. It's some of our fears, our hopes, and our habitual thought forms. So these end up manifest, these end up lodging themselves in our energetic field, which which many people call auras today, but really our energetic pattern is how we hold that energy, and it's very much based on our thoughts and our feelings and how we react to what's happening, um, you know, outside, how we react internally, which then creates 
a new response. And I'll give you a great example. In the book, I talk about my, my own energetic pattern, which was one of my strengths and why I became an entrepreneur was that I like to jump into something new and I like to learn all about it and I like to go full bore at it for a while. <laughs> then what happens is I tend to get bored with it and I want to move on to the next new thing. <laughs> I want to jump in and do that. And then I want to, you know, after a while, I want to jump in the next thing. So that was kind of an energetic pattern of mine. And what happened with this the startup that I tell the story of, so, so the book is a story as well as a set of how-to exercises um, and uh, summaries, and, and, and so it's a combination of the two. But what happened was as we grew the company, we raised millions of dollars in venture capital, and we were very successful at first. But eventually we hit a wall, and one of the reasons we hit the wall was that we were doing too many things. It was a direct reflection of my inner energetic pattern uh, as an entrepreneur that was manifesting itself in the business. And it was because of the way that I made decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. And naturally, now, our patterns are strengths and weaknesses. I, I like to think of them as dragons. Um, and using an old Chinese uh, proverb about dragons, it goes like this. It says that if you ignore the dragon, it will eat you. If you confront the dragon, it will defeat you. But if you learn to ride the dragon, then you can take advantage of its might and its power. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And so that's the important part about, you know, thought forms impact how we hold our energetic pattern. Our energetic patterns are then reflected back to us, uh, you know, from the world. And sometimes people will say, well, how do I, you know, find out what my energetic pattern is and Mm -hmm. shape of it and all these things? I'm not psychic. And so you don't have to be. (laughs) You can just look at what you've created in your life uh, at least three times. Right? Have you had recurring situations? Uh, and if you have, then it's very likely it's a reflection of your inner pattern. I'll give you an example. I was interviewing a guy uh, last year. So I've started a lot of companies now, and I always interview people to decide on hiring them. And I, I remember seeing this guy's resume, and he, you know, he was at this company for about six months, and I'd heard of it, and I said, oh, yeah, what happened there? And he goes, well, those guys didn't really know what they were doing. They were kind of idiots, and I decided to leave. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's eh, possible. That happens, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I looked at his next job, and I said, well, what happened there? And he was there less than a year, and he said, well, you know, I was there, and I, I had uh, better ideas about marketing, and they didn't listen of my ideas about marketing and clearly they didn't know anything about marketing and so I laughed. <laughs> I said, okay, that's two. And then I said, what happened after that? The same thing happened. He left within a year because of disagreements because he thought they were idiots. And I thought, okay, three wow. times makes the pattern, right? There's clearly something here going on in his personality and his energetic pattern that is repeating itself. And so I was talking to our managers as we thought about hiring them. We said, we know exactly what will happen here. Within a year, he'll leave and he'll be telling the next guy he's interviewing with what idiots we were, right? Exactly, exactly. That's too funny. Oh, wow. So that's a good analogy of, 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 of seeing that. Um, how does one uh, begin to, after you recognize your pattern, how do you begin cleaning it up? Well, so uh, this is where, you know, having some kind of spiritual practice actually helps. Um, and uh, so, you know, I advocate meditation and yoga. Now, meditation we think of as a mental practice, and yoga we think of as a physical practice, at least here in the West. But the reality is they were both... A part of the same tradition uh, in ancient India. So where there wasn't as much separation between mind and body. And so mm-hmm. turns out both of these practices 
work on what I had talked about in our energetic patterns. They work on these imperfections in the way that we have distorted our energetic pattern. So we start to untie some of the knots that we have tied in our bodies from our thinking and from our emotions and how we've reacted. Uh, so that's, you know, in general, that's a good first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, as we do that, we start to develop, as I mentioned earlier, these muscles of concentration and attention. We also learn to not follow every thread immediately, uh, whether it's a thought to, you know, an impulse to do something. We can take a deep breath and then say, okay, should I go in that direction or not? Is it just my pattern re- reasserting itself? Right? Is it just my fears? Uh, so as we as we go through a process of self-reflection and of building our muscles of attention and concentration, we can learn to make better decisions. I really like that. I think this is awesome. Um, you talk about messages from the hidden world in the initiation chapter. Um, Yep. What, does that, what does that mean? And obviously you access that through uh, going into the stillness, but, but speak about that a little bit more if you could. Sure. So what starts to happen um, as you become more still is you start to become more aware. Uh, and messages from the hidden worlds are what I call clues on our own personal treasure hunt. <laughs> Uh, and again, let me use an, uh, some films from the 80s <laughs> as an example. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever seen the old Indiana Jones films. Sure. Uh, right, Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and yeah. that series. And in those films, you know, what, what's interesting is that there's always a spiritual treasure right at the end of those films, or at least some of the films. And whether it's the Ark of the Covenant or it's the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. And it, in order to find that treasure, like it would be nice if there was a, a clear map, right? <laughs> but unfortunately, there's no clear map that says, you know, go, go here, go there, go there. What happens is that the clues get revealed to the heroes one at a time. So they follow the first clue. They go to someplace, and then there they discover the next clue, which then takes them someplace else, and then they discover the next clue. And by following these series of clues, they get to the spiritual treasure. Uh, and that's what messages from the hidden world are all about it's learning to to listen to the seven types of clues that I talk about in the book which mm-hmm. occur to us in our daily lives and in our work so these are not necessarily messages we're getting you know while meditating these are messages that we're getting all day long but we have to learn to pay attention to them and find uh, meaning in those clues and I'll give you some examples um, so the perfect example of a clue is uh, what uh, Jung termed a synchronicity and you've probably heard that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, synchronicity is usually is, is a meaningful coincidence. Uh, it, it's when something you see in the outside world reminds you of something that you had been thinking about in your own mind. Mm-hmm. And that's where the meaning comes from. And the simplest example of that is we think of a friend and they, get, and they call us, right? Sure. Uh, and that's what I like to call a glitch in the matrix, right? We're, we're used to, in the Western world, we're used to thinking of our minds uh, being separate from the physical world. These are two mm-hmm. separate worlds, consciousness and physicality. But when you get down to the quantum level, uh, that's actually not necessarily true. <laughs> turns out that's consciousness absolutely right. have an impact. So uh, that's a glitch in the matrix, right? <laughs> if we think of the matrix as being our, our perception of physical reality. Uh, another glitch in the matrix is when we have a funny feeling of deja vu, what we've seen mm-hmm. one before, or we go to a place, or our minds are drawn to a certain book on a bookshelf when there's lots of other books there. I'll give a great example of what I call the errant phrase. We, we see a phrase, uh, and, we, and we have a funny feeling about it, and it turns out to be a clue, 
and clues repeat themselves. So there was a friend of mine who was she was trying to buy a house in Arizona a few years back, and this was during the the real estate boom and everyone was buying houses and she just couldn't find one that she liked or she couldn't bring herself to buy one and she got a little down and she was driving along the road and she noticed a bumper sticker on the car in front of her and the bumper sticker said not all those who wander are lost and she was behind this car for like half an hour (laughs) so it was like constantly coming to her and then she kind of forgot about it and then she was browsing the web and she saw the same phrase again somewhere else so there's number two (laughs) said not all those who wander are lost then she saw the phrase in a book somewhere, and that was number three. And I like to say, you know, clues repeat themselves if they're important, and mm. they repeat three times they're important. So she came to me and she said, "Have you heard of this? You know, what is this from a song? Like, what's it from?" And I said, "Well, I think it's from the Lord of the Rings. It's from a poem that says, not all that is gold glitters, and not all those who wander are lost.' Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out she was not a fan of those books, and she doesn't like science fiction or fantasy films, but." This message for her was very clear, right? It was the thing that she had been thinking about in her mind, which was the the housing and that it was okay for her not to have bought a house and settled permanently somewhere but to keep renting. Mm -hmm. It turns out, you know, as a, as a postscript to this story, it turns out it was a good thing. She told me later that, you know, after the housing market crashed, she ended up wanting to move from Arizona. And if she had had to bought a house and had a mortgage, she wouldn't have been able to move. And she ended up moving to California. So it was wow. it was a larger pattern at work. And Absolutely. these clues reveal that larger pattern. Mm-hmm. I like that. Now, you also talk about uh, places of power and times of power. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And so... What does that mean? Well, you know, so one of the things that's important as you go through this path, again, I I say that it's about the intersection of the inner and the outer worlds, and it's about learning to perceive uh, what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, And usually the way we get there is another type of clue is is how we feel. You know, it's Mm -hmm. our, our bodily sensations. And as we, you know, learn to meditate, again, meditation is not just a mental exercise, yoga is not just a physical exercise, but as we learn to open our awareness, we we become more aware of our body and the feelings and sensations that we have. And so we've all been at places where, you know, we're like, oh, i got to get the hell out of here, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure. other times we've gone to places and we're like, oh, I feel like I'm at home, like this, I just want to stay here forever. <laughs> there, there's something about the energy of different places and how it interacts uh, with us, uh, with our energetic fields and our energetic pattern that gives us these feelings, uh, these sensations, whether they're sensations of joy, of excitement, or of feeling down or feeling afraid. And, you know, sometimes those are habitual emotions of ours, but other times they're, we get them, we pick them up based on our interaction with the environment. Mm-hmm. So a place of power is a place that has a certain kind of energy uh, and it has power for us uh, or for other people. And, you know, there are a lot of places that, that uh, you know, I and others have recommended where the energy is very different, like Sedona in Arizona, for example. You can go to different places within that area, whether you're on top of a butte or in a valley, and you can feel uh you will feel differently. And so places of power are about learning to recognize that there are places that draw us uh, and places that we were meant to be. Uh, And by learning to pay attention to our sensations in our bodies, we can 
more easily uh, go to those places of power. And when we do, it can help us accomplish sure. things in our Absolutely. lives. Absolutely. Now, I know this is a, a very subjective uh, 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 process uh, and probably question, uh, but uh, one would probably ask, uh, when I start doing uh, some type of meditative exercise, some type of spiritual uh, practice for transcendence, when should I start seeing some type of result or, or receiving clues? I know it's different for different people, but uh, is there some type of uh, uh, a, a benchmark that, that, uh, uh, or, or, or marker or flag that one can look at and say, okay, I can see that I'm shifting? Well, like you said, it is very subjective and uh, takes different amounts of time. And one of the things I recommend in the book is uh, keeping a journal or a book of clues right? so that when something catches your attention uh, in the outside world and invokes a funny feeling inside, you write down that clue. And then you validate that clue by waiting to see if it repeats or if you get another clue that's in that direction. Uh, and when they repeat, then you know you're onto something, and then it's, it's best to, to follow that clue to see where it will lead. Uh, and so, you know, this process, you know, can happen right away. I mean, you can start noticing clues right away, or it may take you, you know, several weeks before you get there. Uh, but if you start doing some form of, of spiritual practice, um, whether it's meditation or yoga or something else, uh, you should also start to see yourself becoming more calm in certain situations, right? Uh, if you go through a stressful situation at work, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find that each of us holds stress differently mm -hmm. uh, in our bodies, but it always has the same effect, which is detrimental to our health. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I tend to hold it, you know, in my gut. Some people tend to hold it in their shoulders. Some people tend to hold it <laughs> in different places. Uh, and not just different places physically, but different kind of emotions internally, whether it's fear or anxiety or worry or, you know, and, and when we're afraid, we hold different parts of our body and we're expecting certain things. And you should start to see that start to change. I mean, if you've been meditating or doing yoga for a period of weeks, you know, you should start to notice some difference in how you're holding stress in your body and how the thoughts are coming up. Like, are, are, you, are you seeing, you know, these... Worst case scenarios all the time, right? <laughs> Constantly, uh, and that's part of the, the stress as well. So there's this. this uh, there's two ways, I guess, to, to notice that. One is uh, how you're holding stress in your body and your habitual thought forms. Uh, the second is, are you starting to notice things in the outside world? So inner and outer observation. Uh, but you should start to notice results relatively soon, in, in my opinion. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, it's it's kind of blatantly obvious that you're not uh, really doing this for money uh, because you <laughs> you kind of did that already <laughs> and made your money. So it's, it's it's obviously you really want to help people. Uh, how can people? Uh, I mean, are you doing courses, classes? How are you connecting with people uh, in 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 real time uh, in the physical reality where people can uh, learn from you? Sure. Well, so so initially, you know, I'm just out there talking about the book and put the book out there. Uh, but I will be doing some online courses um, in the, this fall or going towards the winter. And so, if people go to my website, uh, which is www.zenentrepreneur.com, 
Uh, and there, there will be links there, and you can sign up for the mailing list. Uh, and once you know I'm offering courses, I'll, I'll be sending out some mail, mail about that. Uh, also on the website, I've announced, uh, you know, since this book, uh, the story took place when I had just graduated from college and had no money and had lots of student loans, that I'm giving away free books to college students and recent college grads. Oh, nice. Uh, and so they can sign up for that on my website as well. Fantastic. Uh, and there's a link to my blog and my Facebook page, where, which I keep updated more often than the site itself. Fantastic. Riz, you are awesome, dude. 